Wake up, John Doe, you're the hope of the world. So should I uh, tell you about the big news? I think I can announce it now. You waited until the very beginning of this? Well, I mean, it hasn't begun yet. We haven't done the introduction yet, but I figured you might want to hear what this big news is. Yeah, give it to me. Okay, so it's official. I think I can announce it because I saw it reported somewhere. It's official. Friday, July 21st at 9 o'clock, Love During Lockup comes back on the air. Love during lockup. Love during lockup. I think oh, all yeah. all new people. Nice. All new couples, and we get to nice. see what's going on there. You excited? I'm pretty excited. That's yeah. Good news, right? 
Yeah, I mean, but like, does that mean that we're going back into uh, lockup? Mm, like it's a like a precursor. I feel like we got into it like right in the beginning of our COVID lockdowns. Yeah, well, we were late to the party too, right? Were we? I think we were like at least. Remember, we were like a season late because like the whole season had come out by the time that we started watching it. Yeah. Well, they numbered it weird on the website, especially yeah. the illegal website that we streamed it on. Because remember, it was like season like 55, episode like three or some shit like that. And it was really like the second season. You remember that? I don't remember because you're the one that navigates how we find all of the uh, media yeah. that we watch. That's true. I usually don't look until it's like starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine. I well, appreciate that. Speaking of starting, let's start the podcast. Hey, everybody. Oh, yeah. hey. Uh, welcome to another episode of Actual Comedy Presents, an actual podcast. Uh, I'm Angel Ace. And I'm Erin. And uh, we have a great uh, set of topics to pod up with you about. We're going to pod with them? We're going to pod them down. Yeah. Um, so how do you want to start this? You want to start with the, uh, the Hunter Biden story? We talked a little bit yeah, about... Yeah, we talked about him last week. I think it's... Um, appropriate since they just did some like rulings on that case to like re uh rehash revisit yeah 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 I um, think we should so uh i took a couple notes as i do with uh most of the topics that we cover here today so you guys should be lucky because we actually work hard on these notes um <laughs> and yeah we, i really do. i honestly haven't taken this money notes maybe ever yeah well we write them all down I mean, if you want to look deeper into it, a look behind the curtain, most of them are just quotes from the New York Post, so... Oh, no, I find a lot of shit on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, yeah, so, with the Hunter Biden thing, uh, he settled his child support case uh, that was coming out of Arkansas. You remember hearing about that in the news? I do remember that. Now, exactly what was the settlement? Because I don't know that. I know parts of it. Yeah. Well, but, um, they released the entire thing. Uh, the site that I was looking at like just gave us the highlights, which I appreciated. Nice. Um, so uh, I guess according to the settlement, uh, the, the woman whose name is London Roberts, she's a stripper from Arkansas. Okay. Her name is London. London. Yeah. But with a U. Wait, which, at what part? L-U-N-D-E-E-N? Yeah. London Roberts. That's so dumb. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she's still... Was that her stripper name? Did she give it to herself? I don't know. Oh, do you think she has a history Come of... Come Roberts? You think, she... <laughs> you think she has a history of, like, trying to change her name or change others' names to things? I don't know. I mean, what's her daughter's name? No, we probably shouldn't say... I don't want to be held liable for anything. I'm pretty sure it's on the fucking news. Yeah, it is in the settlement. Ah, uh, whatever. Uh, but anyway, she might not be an exotic dancer still. I don't know. She might Not be. with the deal she got. So according to this settlement, um, she will drop the demand that Hunter allow the child to take the Biden family name. Okay. Uh, and the caveat to that, uh, the thing that Hunter agreed to is uh, he will provide... Some of his art to his daughter. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she dropped. Did the she get to pick out like which pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the clause in the settlement stipulates that Hunter provide his daughter the proceeds from an undisclosed number of his works for an undisclosed period of time. What? So he had like I guess they agreed to like a specific amount of paintings, and they were like, uh, 
if you sell these within the next like uh, whatever amount of years or months or whatever, like whatever money you make from it goes straight to her. So, okay, so she doesn't get the painting. She just gets the proceeds from the painting. The daughter will also get one painting to keep for herself, either for her private collection or for a gallery uh, chosen by her mother. So uh, there's a lot of uh, stipulations about choice in this. uh... Yo, I feel like they put on that whole court case just so that his art is going to be worth money. Yeah, yeah. When And pause break for one second because we were... Watching something about this on the news the other day, right? Mm. Did one of the fucking anchors say that she has one of Hunter's pictures on her wall? Uh, I think they said that one of the other anchors, like, she said that he, like, gifted her one for her birthday, like, as a joke. Because I think it was Fox News. It was Fox News. That's what I'm saying. I thought that she was, like, plugging it. Well, I'm pretty sure she said she has it hanging up in her bathroom. Oh, oh, okay. Like it makes her sick, I guess was the joke. Okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't like, you know, it was it was buzzing through my uh <laughs> awareness very like fast, so I didn't hear exactly what she said and I was like, "Wait a minute." Yeah. But they're kind of like low key making it popular. Well, so I got some information about that uh that I'll get to in a bit, but um so yeah, the daughter would get to pick one one painting to either keep for herself or to put in a gallery of the mother's shoes. Actually the wording that they said was she gets to keep it in her own private collection as if she already has an art collection. Maybe this is the start of her art collection. Maybe that's the start of it. Yeah, I don't know. Um the mom also gets to choose the bank where the money goes for the daughter. What? So I guess uh, I was reading a little bit about this, but a, apparently a lot of times in these, like, settlement cases, the people, like, will say, like, I'll provide whatever amount of money, but I get to choose the bank because they either have some inside information that the bank is going to do bad or good for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody has information that, like, this certain bank from California is going to close in the next, like, two months, Right. And they're like, oh, we'll put all the, we'll put it in the court stipulations that I get to choose the bank where I put the money for this kid, right? And they choose that bank, and it goes out of business in like two months or whatever. Do they still got to put money there? Well, like, if a bank just goes out of business, people don't just lose their money. Like Do they somebody not? else buys it. No. Well, they buy the what's it? They buy the the idea of it. Whatever it is, but yeah. it's like they they buy the, the 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 I don't know if they buy the buildings, the name, the whatever, but somebody else like comes up and like puts either up their own money or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To back whatever banks like don't make don't yeah, I don't know whatever. How does that bailouts. I, I wonder how that works for like uh, artifacts, right? Like you know how people put certain things in like bank vaults. Oh yeah. Like. Does the new bank that took over that previous bank's debts, like, do they get access to those vaults and they get to get that shit? Or do they go like, all right, close it all down, burn everything we can't sell immediately? You know what I mean? I feel like it has to be something like um, they it's it's got to be written out in like whatever like the like the sale is. Right. Like, yeah. so if they know they have X amount of um dollars worth of whatever it is then they can i don't know it's like fucking how insurance works do you know what i mean yeah i guess it's also an example of like if the person gets to choose where the money goes they might have like friends or whatever that work in that bank yeah something like that or like like, yeah her her new husband's probably like a fucking investment banker yeah i don't know but that's stupid i mean is it just because like 
she'll she's so young that like by the time she gets this stuff she won't be old enough to make the choice of like where these things go maybe well again they didn't like really uh like state where the like how many paintings or like what the paintings were worth or like how long that stipulation has to go for you know what i mean it might be till she turns 18 it might be for like two years or something i don't know um so, but, like, is this all she's getting is just his well, painting? The settlement also states that the paintings shall vary in size with a minimum size of 24 by 24. So they also have... So like he's a, literally just painting for her. I don't know. That's the thing. I wanted to look up to see if <laughs> there was hilarious. a thing that, like, the paintings already had to be painted or... Like, he could literally just do, like, like one... What is it? 24 by 24? Yeah, yeah. So that's, like, two feet by two feet? yeah. And how many does she get to have? It doesn't say. But, like, he could literally just paint an entire canvas, like, one color. Yeah. And hand it to her and just yeah. be like, this is my art. This is, like, uh, ne- Never Winter Nights or something like that. <laughs> um, so, last week, uh, we we read about how uh, Robert's the defendant. What, is she the defendant? Is she the prosecutee? No, she's Prosecuting? the plaintiff. The plaintiff? The Plaintiff. No, plaintiff. <laughs> okay, so last week uh, she had also agreed to a reduced monthly payment for child support. So she's getting um, how much now? So it used to be twenty thousand dollars a month, and now she's only getting five. Um, I mean, five thousand dollars a month, like for fucking the president's son. Yeah. Well, he argued in court last year that his child support liability should be reduced due to the charges. Or due to changes in financial circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I guess he was trying to... He had to go prove to the judge that, like, he was making less money than what she thought he was making or Yo, whatever. Yo, motherfucker was a lawyer, and he decided he was going to quit his job and just start coloring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went to child support court, they literally told me, you have to go and do community service every weekend until you have a job that you can pay your child support. That's ridiculous. And I was like, I had a nursing license. I was like, but like, I wasn't able to find a job at the time because of some other extenuating circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I had a little couple of irons in the fire. But anyway, like the judge was like, no, you need, you have like the ability to make this amount of money. Mm -hmm. So like, you need to go find a job. That's fucking crazy. I mean, I don't know. It's like that whole shit is a court is a cult too. Yeah. So like, I feel like if like his, I didn't have a lawyer. Yeah. So like, if you have a lawyer in the situation, you're always gonna come out on top because like the lawyers and the judges and all that shit, they're all part of the same. They're thing. in cahoots. They're in cahoots. So like, whatever the lawyer gets paid, kind of like reflects on what the judges get paid. You know well, what I mean? So part of this deal. Uh, part of the settlement was Hunter agreed to pay for her attorney fees and for her court costs. And that's usually a big part of, like, when you take people to court. Yeah, yeah. If you win, you can put it in your, like, fine print or whatever. Maybe not even fine print, but you can put it in there that, like, this person has to pay your court costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's Um, fucking crazy. Here's the thing about the money. Uh, In 2021, uh, shout out New York Post... Uh, it reported that Hunter had sold at least five prints of his paintings for $75,000 a piece. What? Uh, Hunter's most expensive art piece uh, 
So that's like $350,000. Yeah. Uh, I guess he did, like, I don't know if he got disappraised or if he just told people this, but apparently his most expensive art piece was once worth $500,000. Who made that decision, though? I, the Smithsonian? I don't know. Who? But, like, seriously? <laughs> Do these pictures look good? Like, I no, mean, I, I saw clips of any of his it. art. Is it good? I've seen, I've seen pictures of them online. They're not... Who's better, him or GW? Uh, I feel like GW only paints dogs. You know how last time we talked about that uh, documentary about that guy who paints himself having sex with aliens? Oh, yeah, yeah, Which I asked you last time, which would you rather have, a painting from that guy or a painting from Hunter Biden? Now, knowing this... Definitely Hunter Biden. You think so? Just because, like, it's, uh, it's fucking crazy that it's a more interesting story. His could probably be interpreted as, this is me losing my virginity to an alien. I mean, they're just a bunch of, like, dots and lines and squiggle squaggles. Oh, he's just doing those, like, pour paints where you just take a bunch of paint and you put it in, like, a dustpan and then you just, like, pour it over a canvas. Yeah, who did that? Jim Carrey or some shit? Oh, fuck it. He was, like, hanging from a cable from, like, the ceiling or something (laughs) and just, like, splashing paint onto canvases. He's just trying to bring wackiness to the paint world. I mean... He's like, Picasso died, fucking, uh, who's that other guy? Uh... With the mustache? Van Gogh? No, with the multi Da Vinci? Salvador Dali. Dali. Dali's gone. He he was like pretty contemporary, right? Yeah, but he he had a uh, I think he had a pet peacock. Pet peacock. <laughs> um, Hunter once claimed he had no memory of meeting London Roberts, um, but text messages from allegedly uh, some alleged text messages from his alleged abandoned laptop. Uh, show that she was on the payroll for his consulting firm while pregnant with their daughter. <laughs> uh, paternity test was conducted in, back in 2020, and it confirmed his relation to the girl. So, okay, so we knew that, but, like, yeah. it's funny because, okay, they confirmed it, like, by paternity. Yeah, yeah. But, like... Joe Biden doesn't want to meet this kid. Yeah, I was reading. They don't put up like a stocking for her at Christmas. Yeah, I was reading nothing. That, that one kind of fucked up. And then they were saying the other one was that uh, Joe Biden. Oh, I'm sorry, Doctor Joe Biden uh, wrote a book and she like dedicated it to her grandkids and then she named them all individually and then she didn't name the this one. Well, I guess I mean honestly, to be fair, they're not her grandkids anyway. Yeah. By marriage. Yeah. They don't know this little girl. I mean, it sucks that, like, it's, that's the situation. And I guess if you're, like, in that presidential situation, you kind of have to do the right thing, right? And, like, whatever the right thing is at the time. I guess during this time it is to, like, try to get involved in her life or whatever. But it's weird, right? Like, it's just, Well, if you're, like, you know, ac- acknowledging all these other kids. Yeah. Are all the other ones, like, legitimate kids? Like, or are they all from, like, hookers? Mm, I don't know. Was this chick a hooker? No, nah, I think she was just a exotic just dancer. A private dancer? Yeah. But he had Whatever. her on the payroll of his consulting. So this motherfucker had a consulting firm. 
He had a law agency, which apparently they said I read, was reading somewhere that he has nothing to do with being a lawyer, actually. But he went to law school. I think he went to law school, but I don't, I don't know if he passed any exams or anything. So he went to law school. So can you just go to law school, go through it? Yeah. Not take the bar. Well, you won't be like a licensed lawyer, but I don't. Well, you don't have to be a licensed you, lawyer to be a lawyer in a courtroom, right? You can just go in there I and think, be like, I'm here to be this person's representative. Yeah, I think the only reason you would want like a licensed lawyer is for like filing of certain paperwork. Yeah, that stuff. And they need like. But you could just like befriend a clerk or something, right? And they could they could probably do it for you. But that's why the system's rigged because you have yeah. to be a real lawyer to get like, unless you're in front of a jury. Yeah. You know what I mean? But most of this shit is all, like, this is common law. Yeah. Shit, it's not criminal court, really. Although, they just kind of threw the gun charges away. Yeah, well, so apparently he pled he pled guilty to some, like, <laughs> degree of some type of, like, uh, lesser charge of, like, tax evasion or something. And they were like, if you plead guilty to this, then we can figure out a way to deal with this gun charge. And I think he's going to get away without having a gun charge. But the... Honestly, when you look at, like, what the gun charge is, they're accusing him of using a gun or owning a gun while he was an active crackhead. Like, where's, I guess, the proof that they have is him, like... Okay, but, like, was he told, like, okay, you're not allowed to have a gun? I think one of the laws in, I don't know if it's a federal or, like, whatever state that may be Delaware or whatever, but I think one of the laws says, like, if you're an active drug user, you can't own or possess a weapon. Yeah, but an active drug user is not going to tell you the truth. That's what I'm saying. How do you like, prove? <laughs> unless and then you, you can just some... be like, of course I didn't tell you the truth. I was an active drug user. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like we're going on the fucking honor well, system. I guess he didn't want, I guess the whole point was to avoid having to go deeper with those questions, right? So he was like, I'll take that tax, that tax charge <laughs> if you don't ask me anything about this gun. Oh Maybe, God. I guess. But what I want to know is how did they fucking address all of these things in the same like court yeah well because like i couldn't even talk about child support in custody court yeah yeah like they they were completely separate yeah so like how is he talking about fucking tax charges uh gun charges and uh whatever his child probably because the courts out here have more time what maybe i don't know i was in a i was in a a court around here well he was in delaware but i was in Delaware yeah. County. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. That's privilege right there. Just to be like heard on multiple cases by the same judge just to like knock everything out in well, one day. You know what, Aaron? You're not a Biden. He's a Biden. And that's what they wanted to keep from this little girl. That power of privilege of that name. She's not allowed to use the name. <laughs> yeah. So th- it, it was interesting well, she because. Is part of the bloodline. It made us think about this, this bloodline thing, right? So uh, way back, uh, like. 2012 uh this little girl did this like she, i think she was in seventh grade at the time and she, yeah. did, she did some like genealogy project I thought it was an 11th grader but it was an 11 year old girl in seventh grade yeah yeah wild <laughs> yeah um so she did a genealogy project where she was like trying to trace back her ancestral roots uh because she had like a french last name right so she was like well i want to see like how far back in france i could trace this to so i think they were saying that, like, her grandpa, like, had already been doing this for, like, a number of years. So he had, like, some information to give her. Um, yeah. But somewhere along the line, she decided to start tracing the presidential bloodlines, right? 
Because I think she found out she was like 14th cousins with Barack Obama at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's what it was. So then she started working backwards. And then apparently people had done this before and they had only gotten like 20 or 21 presidents that were like related somehow. Well, but, I think it was because before they'd only ever used the paternal side of the family trees. Right, right, right. So this this little girl included both the pater- paternal and maternal, right? Yeah. Like Mary Kay Laterno. Yeah. Um, she included both of those sides, and then she found, in, in a way, uh, most of the people who have held the office of the U.S. president have been related in one way or another, right? Yeah, and not only re- not only the ones that have held the office, but those running against them, too. Yeah, like, people yeah. that were, like, actually... The, the people that actually became, like, the nominee. Yeah, they yeah. They were all related as well. Yeah. And I think at one point I read something that the people that won have, like, the closer... Ties to... Cous- cousinry or whatever the fuck it is. Okay, yeah. To the to the royal bloodline. And they're all cousins of uh, uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. And, and Elizabeth. That, that one king, right? Like, King... What was it? John the First? Who, yeah. Who did you say? It was King John the First? Whoever... The, whatever guy signed the Magna Carta. That okay. guy. Oh, I just knocked my John. Did you knocked your John? No, we're good. I'm not my John. Okay. Um, God damn it. No, it was... um. Well, so there was somebody that I read about that was like... They found that all monarchs, not just the English monarchy or the British monarchy, but all of them, mm-hmm. all around... Were all related in were some way. Were related in some way. That's crazy. So, uh, yeah. what, so according to this uh, project that she did, there was only like one president in the history of all presidents that were related either by marriage or by family blood yeah uh, and that was what the eighth president van buren yes yeah um and maybe they said dwight eisenhower i think which uh is interesting with the things that we're going to talk about later oh yeah um but they said van buren was the first dutch president which is also interesting about stuff which i wonder if he's not if he is is really not of a relative mm. because maybe they're taking like both sides into consideration mm. and maybe at the time they hadn't done you know what i mean because yeah. the like the guy the prince of orange guy and mary louise i think that's the name uh-huh. they were the two people that were traced back to have been like the parents of all the monarchs yeah 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 and um they were like dutch or german yeah, well, the so, the way that most of these, like, people that have, like, come across this information have, like, tried to justify uh, why it's not weird is that they go, well, if you go far enough back, we're all related, which is true, but... Yeah, in a way. Yeah, it, it, in a way it's true, but still, it's a little weird coincidence that there are people who you can trace as being not related, and they haven't been involved in the presidency, besides the one guy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In fact, some of the shit I was reading goes even deeper than that to saying yeah. that, like, even Hollywood, like, all that Nepo baby shit in Hollywood, mm. they're also related yeah. to these royal bloodlines. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they're, like, able to be, like, on the on the big screen or whatever. That was always, like, uh, I felt like I, I always remember this, like, information download that like me and you kind of like reached at the same time Mm -hmm. uh we were watching a lot of these like celebrity documentaries that they like use footage from from when they were like teenagers 
like yeah. the Val Kilmer one or the uh, Punky Brewster one. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we, we kept, like, finding out that, like, all these people that are, like, famous currently are, like... Nepo babies. Yeah, they're children of people that came from, like, super rich privilege. Right. And it's like, wait a minute, like this has always been this way? Like, it's just famous people's kids are the famous people now? <laughs> like, yeah, literally. That's exactly what I mean. Fucking Clark Gable Jr. is on Cheaters. Well, he was well, before the, he died. The third. Oh, he was the third. He was the third, yeah. He was the grandson of Clark Gable. Oh, shit. But he was there. Um, I mean, even... Well, there was presidents that were... Yeah, there's countless examples. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I think his dad... All of them. Whatever. It's just weird. It's it's super weird. Yeah. And like, well, so you were looking into the blood type shit, right? Well, Where, what did you find out? So, so you were talking about. Um, let's talk about how. You you found that thing where they were talking about how like there's a comparison of like red and blue blood, and one yeah. has like a higher concentration of like copper or something, and the other one has a higher concentration of iron. Well, so the. Royal family in general has this genetic mutation. I think it's like is hemophilia or something like that where their extremities start to turn blue. Yeah. Because of like, I guess their circulation, but also because they have a higher amount of copper in their blood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they call them blue bloods, because when exposed to air, copper turns like bluish green. So it, I guess the myth evolved around like thinking that people with higher concentrations of copper in their blood are associated with this like royalty or whatever i guess so or just because that was a like um, a feature of their bloodline Mm. and that's why like their family line got called blue blood because of this feature yeah 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 but i don't know why that is i don't know like so I was looking into like different. I was lo- trying to look into blo- royal bloodlines, and let me tell you something. There's about seventy thousand different fucking rabbit holes you can go down. <laughs> yeah. So to find the information I was looking for, I like I couldn't go through it all. Yeah. But what I found was that most royals, which was kind of like the start of um, s- some of the conspiracy theories, was that most royals have Rh negative blood. Okay. And RH is the rhesus factor, and it's a gen, it's like a gene marker. I'm sorry. It's a protein that's found on the surface of your red blood cells. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes from the rhesus monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're RH negative, your blood does not contain that protein. If you're RH positive, your blood does contain that protein. And if you're typo negative, you're a pretty kick-ass rock band. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so the weird thing is, so Barack Obama was typo negative. A bunch of presidents were typo negative. Yeah. And they have to travel with blood with, with them. Really? Because, like, if something were to happen and they need a transfusion because it's oh, such a rare blood type. Right, yeah. They have to try. And I think a lot of fucking royals have that blood type. And that's where the whole thing about vampires came about. Mm, okay. Huh. That's pretty interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, there's more to look up about it because, um, like I said, there's so many different, um, ideas about these bloodlines. Like one of the things I found when trying to figure out like what's up with the blood bloodlines and Mm. like, you know, or are these people related because uh, they were talking about, um, 
in the documentary we're going to talk about in a little bit, people being like the chosen. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And um, it kind of reminds me of like that type of thought pattern. Mm. Like if you have this blood type, then you're, you're a chosen person. Okay. Yeah. But by this point, things have been so diluted throughout the world that there's a lot of people out there that aren't of, uh, like Royal blood that have RH negative blood. Mm. Well, not that they know they're not, they're not close enough relation, but like RH negative blood. Um, if you are pregnant and your person that gets you pregnant is RH negative, you have to get like that Rogam shot. Remember I was telling you about that? Oh before? yeah. 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 Because if you get pregnant, if you're RH negative and your part- partner's positive, I think that's fine. Mm. But if you're RH positive and your partner's RH negative, you have to... I might have switched that around. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been like 12 years since nursing school, so fuck you. But, but anyway, whichever happens, way it is, you have to get a shot of Rogam. Joe so Rogam that you're, shot? Yeah, you're Joe Rogam. <laughs> so like one of the things that I read was that like, so the rhesus factor... I guess, but it's only found in, um, more like racist factor. Yeah. So, but it's also, (laughs) but it's, um, it's only found in the female DNA. Mm. It's not found in the male DNA. And they said that it looks like, like stuff was added to the human genome sequence, like recently. Huh. Remember when we were talking about those people, like that, that one myth that the one lady was really good at uh, doing, like, gene splicing or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, basically, they were saying there's... I mean, like, we know there's a fucking missing link between whatever the last... Um, what is it called? Caveman guy. Mm, and Geico. human. Yeah. There's a missing link. Yeah. And so... Basically, the their RH factor says that, like, it has to be, like, a non-human male with a human female that created that. Bigfoot fucked a lady. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a non-ape male mm. that had sex with, like, an ape female. Hmm. All right. So. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a fucking a whole lot of shit to dig into with that because, yeah, obviously you can get into uh, racism and shit because yeah. it's like, oh, you have monkey blood or something. But yeah, like, oh, shit. but most of us do. Only 15% of the po- population is RH negative. Do they have like medical problems or something? No, it's just like a, a rarer blood type. So mm. like if you need an infusion or something, like it's, you know, harder to get. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like I said, it really only makes a difference if you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. But actually, they do say that people with RH negative blood are um, generally like red hair, mm. green eyes, but that's not true all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because I know plenty of people that are not like that, but um, they're, it says they're smarter. Redheads are smarter? No, people with RH negative blood oh. are like not smarter, but they generally are like very intelligent. I wonder why. I don't know. You think that like a a different part of their brain works or some shit? I don't know. Maybe they're like less monkey, more alien. I don't fucking know. Oh, man. You gotta get that shit tested out. I feel like that's probably like, like if you're looking at them, because it's 15% of the population. So 15% of the population is really smart. Yeah. And then you test 85% of the population. Like you, you know, not everybody's going to be that smart. It feels like it would always kind of 
work out in their favor, right? Because their numbers are smaller. Statistically. Statistically. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So anyway, that's what I found out about bloodlines and the copper in the blood. Yeah. So actually, but but what's funny is that I didn't find it being related the copper in the blood to the RH factor. Mm. So I don't know. Hmm. It's interesting to like think about where like these a lot of these myths come from, right? Yeah. Um, I for some reason I got like involved in this like rabbit hole about. Uh, you ever hear that like fairies hate iron? That I had not heard that before. No. I I don't know why. I feel like I've I've known that for like a long time. Maybe because I read like the True Blood series in my team. <laughs> um, but uh. I've always wondered why, like, there's some depictions of, like, fairies and, like, TV shows or movies or something. And they're always like, you know, put iron up. If you put iron up on your windows and on your doors, they can't come through or whatever. And it made me, like, think about, like, where that came from. Yeah. Um, so w- when they talk about iron, they're not talking about, like, the element because there's the element iron. But they're talking about, like, wrought iron. Like the metal. The metal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Some historians think that the myth that fairies hate iron came from or evolved from early Roman accounts of battles with the Celtic Britons. Okay. So uh, apparently there's a, a, a racist group of, of people in England called the Britons. They've been around since like the early 1900s. Okay. And uh, they're really racist and anti-Semitic and all this other shit. These aren't the guys I'm talking about. So the Celtic Britons... Uh, they they were the people that inhabited the like gra- the area of Great Britain like at the time of okay. like, the Roman conquest, um, and they inhabited that area from at least the British Iron Age until the High Middle Middle Ages. Okay, uh, they spoke Common Britonic, uh, which is a precursor to the modern modern Britonic languages, which is like Welsh, uh, all those ones that don't really exist anymore, but some people still use them in those areas. In England. Okay. Um, but, well, like, what do they sound like? You ever see, like, those like those Doctor Who shows that we'd be watching, and then, like, they make fun of people? Like, kind of how, like, in America, they make fun of people with southern accents. Okay. Like, they make fun of people with northern accents over there. Okay. Because they're like, oh, they, you know, they're from the north. But, Is that the, the Little Scosche? The Scosche? Scouse? Yeah, I think so. Scouse? That's another, like, example. Like... There's different areas that have different, like, uh, dialects, but they're all speaking the same language. It's pretty interesting. Uh, but it's kind of like America. It's just not really, like, yeah. talked about that much. Um, or, like, every fucking city, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Like, like a city like Jakarta in, like, Indonesia, right? It's, like, yeah. a pretty, like, moderately sized city, but, like, are there different parts of the city where, like, people speak different languages? You know what I mean? Or, like, or, like use, like, Dublin, Ireland. Like, there's probably like a pretty big city are there different areas of Dublin well yeah there's definitely different um languages in Ireland because there are not that many people speak the language anymore Gaelic what was that language that the guy that was talking remember you showed me that um video where a guy was talking to somebody that was like of like a roadside farmer or I something. started to hate those type. it was a yeah a video of a guy going to like a foreign country where like they speak a foreign language and then like surprising the people that live there by speaking the language fluently in front of them okay yeah but the people from Ireland were excited about it because they were like nobody talks like this anymore yeah 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 he was talking so, Gaelic um 
Which I didn't know like you could dead like... languages. I think we already talked about that before, but um, my point was... I wonder, like, how, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably something like that. Like, like, like a, what is it called? An area? What's an area called? Like a, like a, like you said, like a southern accent or like a Boston accent or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, eventually they just get, like, smarter and they're like, we don't speak Boston anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, these Brightons, they had a, a reputation for being small in stature, according to the Romans. Uh, but they considered them fierce warriors and uh, possibly really good and adept at magic. Oh, shit. Uh, they were reported to have been able to appear and vanish at will. According to some early battle accounts, the Romans said that the Brightons would spike their hair with white lime and cover their bodies in swirling patterns of blue for battle, possibly to assist in blending with the skyline or reflected on the surface of lakes. Hmm. So, um... This resulted in the belief that they could appear out of thin air and make their getaway via portals in forests and lakes. When in reality, they just like slightly shifted their body to the side. And yeah, then they the just Romans like chameleon themselves. Yeah, they didn't have sunglasses at the time, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You had to like do that thing where like you put your hand like above your eyebrows. <laughs> That's pretty the... cool though. Like they figured that out, little guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some have suggested that this is where the myth of the fairy folk began. Um, so this is where they're saying that the idea of fairies came from, like as a concept. Um, these fairy folk uh, were known to have used magical tactics and were armed with bronze weapons which were no match for the iron blades of the invaders. So the Romans were deep into the Iron Age, and they were using iron to uh, forge their weapons, which was uh, a way better material for weapons because it was harder uh, than bronze. Um, So I guess these, I guess you would call them at the time, these Celtic hill folk, (laughs) uh, they weren't like, you know, super on the up and up with what was going on in the more civilized world. Wow, this sounds like, it sounds like a recent conflict. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's the age-old story of uh, uh, taking weapons... David and Goliath? Se- selling outdated weapons to uh, a country and then attacking that country with your new weapons and saying, <laughs> give us all our money back. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so because of that, uh, they, the Brightons were known to use bronze weapons and they were no match for those iron weapons. So I think from there... That's where the idea that these fairies hate iron comes from. Okay. Um, I also feel like if there really are fairies, like tiny little things that fly around. Yeah. Like they might be interrupted by like iron in like an element. Like well, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's a good conductor yeah. of electric. It, it, it does a lot of like cool things, right? Like as a metal itself. Yeah. Um, so iron... It's a good point that you bring that up because iron has been considered controversial for as long as it's been considered magical. Uh, good examples include different churches' stances on using lightning rods. You remember I was telling you about how like some churches were like, oh, it's cool that we can use these lightning rods because it like diverts the lightning away from like the rest of the church. Yeah. And it saves us. And then some people were like, no, this is a bad idea for the church because you're attracting the lightning to you. And that's God's wrath or whatever. Okay, so they're interpreting the lightning as being God's wrath and not, like, a source of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. So, God damn, I just, like, fucking 
like, uh, what's the thing when you say something really fast? Uh, bloop. No, what's it called? Like, when you, like, read, like, the synopsis. Or oh, something yeah, like yeah. that. Sk- skip to my loo or some shit like that. Yeah, I just got, I skipped to my lewd pretty quick just there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a good example. Another example uh, is, uh, and I just learned about this, uh, there's different sects of uh, witches uh, that disagree or agree on uh, whether or not you should use iron uh, to make your magic wand or not. Okay. So, apparently, there's some some... People out there that believe that, like, uh, a wand should be, which is, like, an artifact that they use to, you know, whatever. Uh, it should be something natural, like, made in na- from from something from nature, which is, like, a, a tree, you know, mm-hmm. some type of root or something. Yeah, like uh, wood. And there's other uh, sects of, I guess you would call them witches, they're, like, shamans or whatever, that say iron is, like, the best... Uh, thing to use when you're making a wand because you're using a wand as a conductor, right? Like a conductor, like conducting okay. an orchestra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder, like, maybe some witches work with, like, the fae mm. and other ones don't. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the ones that put up iron, like, don't want to work with the fairy people. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then the ones that, because there's different, I mean, just in fucking witch talk, yeah. which I'm not even part of TikTok, but I, like, dabble. Um, oh, there's that... so many different there. Yeah, there's a witch something called witch talk on TikTok. I thought you were trying to say witch talk, like we witch were talking talk. about witches, but witch talk. Okay. No, but there's a million different kind of like quote unquote witches. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So like, they work with different types of energy and believe different fucking theologies and shit. So, you know, that would kind of make sense. There's always a fucking argument about something though. Well, and then it causes a rise in contradictory fairy tales, right? Which yeah. is like the interesting thing to me. So it's funny because so we talked about how iron like is always been controversial. It's been used to uh like forward the uh amount and time for culture to expand you know what i mean yeah because we call it the iron age right like yeah yeah and that was like a great time for expansion because using or uh incorporating iron into the things that we were doing in daily life helped us uh do things easier um but uh iron the concept of using iron for stuff uh goes all the way back to like the bible days Okay. And even before that, but um, I got some Bible verses here. And it's funny, we were talking about like the different uh, contradictory things. Uh, I have this verse uh, from the Bible, from Revelations, right? Uh, And I went to this website and they had different versions of the quote, right? From different versions of the Bible. Yeah. Now, I wrote down the King James version of it, but there's different versions of it that when you read it, it kind of changes the meaning of what it's trying to say. Okay. But this is the King James Version uh, section of the Bible that talks about iron. It's Revelation 2.27. Um, and it says, And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a p- potter shall be broken to shivers, even as I received my father. What does that mean? I don't know, but... Hold on. So, wait a minute. Say that again. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, 
Okay. As the vessels of a potter shall be broken to shivers. So I wonder, because you know how they were making fucking batteries with the those pottery oh, vessels? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they were saying, like, iron's going to rule over these pottery vessels now. Maybe, yeah. Well, again, there's, like, different versions of it. And I think the one that they have in the Torah is, mm-hmm. like, different than... Uh, this King James one, but the, which they do a lot. And, uh... yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, I don't want to stay on this topic too long because we have other shit that we got to talk about. Um, but there were other uh, things about superstitions involving iron. Um, something in the Torah, right, from the uh, the Jewish Bible. Yeah. Um, in Judaism, in the in the Jewish Bible, uh, there's a chapter called Judges. Uh, if you look up Judges one nineteen, yeah, it says, "And the Lord was with Judah, and He drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron." Hmm. Yeah. Um, some other superstitions that involve iron: uh, nailing an iron horseshoe to your door, or like above your door, it was said to repeal evil spirits. Yeah. Uh, repel. Uh, or later was uh, associated with bringing good luck. Um, this was funny because I, I was wondering about this. Surrounding a cemetery with a wrought iron fence was thought to contain the souls of the dead. So they couldn't escape the cemetery. Yeah, that's why they, they used to put iron cages over people that they thought were witches. The vampi- yeah, or yeah, vampires. vampires yeah. Um, and this last one was uh, burying an iron knife under the entrance to one's home was alleged to help keep witches from entering. Huh. Yeah. Pretty weird, right? That's interesting because iron is what makes blood red. Yeah. Copper is what makes blood blood blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has to be like the initial, uh, I don't know, two different types of blood, right? Yeah, yeah. People that had iron-rich blood and people that had copper-rich blood. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that, right? I mean, blue or red pill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Should we move on to... Yeah, because I want to talk about the, um, the, that documentary that we watched, because I'm going to get back into, like, all of this shit, because everything is just, like, literally just layers upon layers of information that is all interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think, uh, I'll save the rest of this for next week. Um, Okay. Next week, I want to talk about these, like, little goblin characters from different, like, fairy tales. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll save that for next week, and then we'll let's just move on to the oh, actual yeah. stuff that's going to be really fun to talk about. Um, real quick, before we get into the next story, um, I just want to say, how fun is it to see a spider, like, get a wasp in its, like, like web? And in then, its grips? yeah. I can watch that all day. Yeah. And it's like how you describe watching pimple popping videos to me. <laughs> it's very satisfying. Yeah, like we were just outside and uh, we usually let like the our little spider friends that come in for a visit, uh, we let them um, set up shop, right? So they uh, can, they can go. They get out in the corners. They get the corners. They, they take care of the pests, right? For the most part, they really do. And um, in return, they get a nice little meal from it. Um so we were outside a little bit ago, and uh, there was a spider that had a nest, and I guess uh, one of these, like, 
really ugly looking wasps like came in. We have so many fucking wasps around here. <laughs> and it got caught in the spider's web. And the spider spent the whole time that we were outside like trying to. Yeah, he was like trying him. to get in there. I like going out there and just cheering for the spider. It doesn't have to be a wasp. It can yeah. be anything. Yeah. Last year, I remember cheering when the um the spotted lanternflies would like jump jump into the nest. Oh, they would get so remember many of them. We would get them to like jump into the spider's web and then <laughs> cheer for the spider to get them. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It, it gives me like a sense of danger because I'm like the wasps could like escape at any moment and attack me. You said wasps. I shouldn't have said that, right? <laughs> um, but speaking of wasps, um, we were talking last week about that uh, Shiny Happy People documentary. Oh, yeah, the extreme religious fundamentalists. Yeah, about the, the Duggars, uh, that family of the 19 kids and counting and their whole history uh, and the church that they were kind of involved in. Um, and it made us think about the effect of like Christian, extreme Christian fundamentalism when it yeah, comes like to. Yeah, like just on America in general. When it comes to like their, their effect on like uh, policies and like politics. Yeah, their power, their reach, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, and we kind of remembered that we had saw a documentary like a long time ago about this uh, called The Family. Uh, so we decided to go back and rewatch that documentary and who boy. Who boys right? Yeah. Uh, you guys, buckle in. I don't know if you've seen this documentary before. Yeah. Because it's probably been out since, what, 2020? Like, yeah, or 20, 19. 19. What around there, yeah. Whatever. And it talks about um, this organization. Well, they're not calling themselves an organization. Mm-hmm. They, ref- they're, they refuse to be named, pretty much. Um, but they go by the family. Yeah. And, or or uh, the fellowship. Or the fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically, they were like this religious organization, sort of, but like their only focus was Jesus. Yeah. It wasn't the whole Bible, even. Yeah, they had their own version, right? They only used Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then what did they call it? The something of Acts. The Acts of Attrition or some shit like that. Oh, I wrote it down. Oh, the Acts of the Ambassadors. Yeah, yeah. So, um,. Basically, this group, uh, they have a house in Virginia, in Arlington, Virginia, called Ivanwald. Yeah. And um, It's like a mansion. It's a mansion, and I think they have, like, a barracks on the side where they're, like, the guys live. Yeah. So they get a bunch of, like, I don't know, college-aged mm-hmm. guys. Is that what they are? Co- are they in college at this time? I would think, yeah. they're or either they graduated? Well, because the one dude said that some of them were, like, older, some of them were younger, so... I guess it depends on like where they are in their potential career. Most of them are looking for like a political career, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I think it was after college because this guy Jeff Charlie, who joined the family for a, a point of time, yeah, um, wrote two books about them, mm. and uh, he described it like when he was trying to get like I guess recruited to go live in that house at Ivanwald. Yeah. Uh, as it's just a bunch of guys living together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all, all of them, all the guys that they had on the documentary that were like former members that were trying to defend everything that they did, they all had the same like uh, reasoning. And it was like, it's just a bunch of guys. We're just guying yeah. around, you know? Yeah, they called it like a frat house for God. Yeah, yeah. But they were pretty strict. Like they weren't allowed to have sex. No alcohol. No alcohol, no... Actually, Their rules were a lot like the rules that they had at those places that we were talking about last week, where, you know, you had to wear certain things, you couldn't, mm. you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they went so extreme as to say, like, even the the relationships that you had, uh, whether it was like personal, like friendships or like uh, romantic relationships or even like family relationships, they would like. Oh, yeah. They all came second to whatever. Yeah, they were like your brothers come first, and then right. Everything and their else whole comes job there was basically to like clean the toilets and do like the fucking like yard work. Yeah, yeah. For the politicians or whoever was visiting mm. and staying at like the the mansion part of the house because they would have like meetings and like dinners and shit like that with mm. a lot of very powerful people. According and to I, them. According to them. Yeah. And then they said that um, the guys that worked there that lived there basically were just there like and it was an honor for them to be there to be like fucking basically shoveling the shit of the politicians yeah yeah um so that was fucking weird as shit to me so uh we kept reading on or not reading on watching on and um so the first episode they pretty much explained what this like uh loosely identified group of people are um, and what what they do, right? And the guy talks about his experience firsthand yeah. of being there. Yeah, so um, he says that um, the prime worship is to Jesus, and they pray to be broken. They keep saying that he's yeah. going to get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as whether or not this guy is, like, actually going to... Because I guess a lot of the guys that are there aren't, like, totally on board with the whole Jesus thing at first. Well, they said that. The one guy said that. People of different faiths are like allowed to go there as long as you put Jesus first. Yeah. Which was weird to me because a lot of the other religious faiths that I know of don't even mention Jesus. So I, I don't know how that could work. But I, I don't know because they said it's just Jesus. They're just yeah. going to go around because like the Muslims recognize Jesus. Mm. Even Jews recognize Jesus. Yeah. And I guess it was like a like a, a they one person said they were using it like a talisman. The what? The, the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, the family had friends all over the world, including politicians and foreign dignitaries, who would stay at the Ivanwald place. And um, the brothers were the ones that basically took care of the whole house. They would make sure that, like, everything was set up and clean to, yeah. like, lit, you know, for them to come and feast, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had a lot of pretty bad ideas about women. They called women Jezebels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, made them arm wrestle each other. Remember? They made them arm wrestle each other. There was a lot of like uh, shirtless football games. Shirtless football games, a lot of arm wrestling and dog piles. The one guy described, he said that they were they were trying to crush the, crush the Jesus into him. And like, I think that was like, he was saying that while the video that was playing was like a recreation of... These two, like, young men. Yeah, I wrote down a quote that says, Jesus is not a sissy. He'd be a Navy SEAL and great at football. (laughs) (laughs) He might have been. And the way they described it, so, like, these guys that were there working or whatever were the brothers. They're part of the family. But the politicians and everybody that visited were not part of the family. They were friends of the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they described themselves as a group of friends following Jesus. Yeah. And they said they had no hierarchy. Anytime that they called it, they this guy that wrote the book and did this documentary um, would ask about what's their hierarchy structure or whatever. He'd be kind of like 
told don't you know don't ask those things or why are you asking so many questions like that sort of thing yeah and um i guess through seeing how many different like important political figures that they were influencing through this like prayer breakfast meetings and all the shit that they were doing at this house Mm. the guy's like um this might not be so great Right. Because they were basically like pushing fundamentalist values mm-hmm. into politics. Right. And they and they told people that there was no hierarchy, even though everybody that was part of it kind of like had a quiet understanding that this one guy was like the leader, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They knew that they knew who the leader was for the time. And they also knew that the information that they were getting and like in their studying of Jesus yeah. was set up in like those concentric circles of power rings right right so it was like jesus was at the middle your brothers were on the you know where the brothers were second your Mm. family was next after that yeah whatever and then it was the same thing with whatever information they were learning about jesus like the people at the that were at the top knew the most and then like the same with jesus like jesus was at the center and then they said peter and paul were like the closest to him mm. and then the rest of the people were the other apostles right the people from last week those shiny happy people uh i forget the name of the it was like some acronym or whatever but they were iblp yeah something like that they, instead of using the circles they used the uh the the umbrella of protection right and then there were different layers to the umbrella yeah of yeah so god covered the man the man covered the woman yeah, the woman yeah, covered yeah. the children but if they were to step out of the umbrella of like the person above them Mm -hmm. god wouldn't be protect protecting them anymore right exactly yeah so they started this national prayer breakfast in 1953 uh so this is what like what they've become known for this this loose group of people right over the years yeah their biggest like i guess claim to fame in america was uh helping set up this National Prayer Breakfast. That's officially, right? That's what it was called, or they changed the name to it in the 50s to that, right? That's Yeah, that's when they first, I guess, gave it a name. Yeah, yeah. They had been, quote-unquote, doing this sort of thing with people all over the world before that, but I guess somehow when Eisenhower, the only one that wasn't part of the bloodline, was president, supposedly, was president, um, the founder... Doug Coe. Was it was it Doug Coe or the first guy? Mm, the first guy. A- the first guy. Abram Verede or something like that? Abraham Verede, who yeah. we will talk about in a minute because holy shit, I fucking hate this dude. <laughs> but anyway, um, this guy meets with uh, President Eisenhower and he's like, we want to just pray with you. We're a group of men yeah. dedicated to just like bringing Jesus Make using Jesus to bring people together. Right, and he, he goes to Eisenhower and basically like uh, shows him like this is all the things that you'll benefit from if you let us do this here. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so somehow that kind of like started to lean into like the political decision making that was happening. Like the people that they would start to be putting into office would have yeah really strong Christian stances. Right, right. And all that stuff. So um it was like becoming more and more obvious that these people really had a reach into like the political spectrum because they were having they were hosting not only like the yearly prayer breakfast, which was with the president and like all of Congress and like 
foreign dignitaries and all this shit that they yeah. come together and pray or whatever. Mm. But really, it's like, you know how the mafia, and it's funny because when they were talking about this guy, the, the, the guy that was like their first leader, mm. he was always talking about the mafia and how that organization was yeah. like, like kind of ideal yeah, because yeah. of how loyal they were. Like he was jealous. And he also kept like bringing up Hitler and like how, like it was amazing how like obedient yeah. Hitler, Hitler got his population to be. Yeah, kind of like giving a hint, like, I want you guys to be that type of look. Yeah, like, and it was like, what the fuck? But, um, where's he going with that? Well, you were saying that because they, they he was comparing it to the, the mafia organization because they were using this National Prayer Breakfast as, like, um, a facade. So that they could basically have off-the-record talks with all these foreign dignitaries. All these, like, meetings. Whatever. That, you know, because if you're, if you're in any political office, if you meet with somebody, you have to, like, put that on record, right? Yeah, but if it's a, of, like, a religious reason. Well, no, if you're part of some event and you just happen to come across fucking Gorbachev in the coat room, you know what I mean? Yeah, You could just talk to him for, like, 15 minutes and that's not an official quote-unquote meeting. You know what? It reminds me of, like, the fucking, the, the restaurants... That they have in like like for like the mob bosses in Italy, mm. where they'll meet in like a public restaurant so that they can talk about like business. Oh uh, yeah. Or like uh fucking some, oh my god. Uh, I lost it. Go ahead, keep talking. Al Pacino. Not Al Pacino, but it was like um, oh the fucking hotel on John Wick. Oh uh, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like they're like a safe house for. Yeah yeah yeah. All the criminals to get together <laughs> and uh pray yeah so um it was pretty fucked up like hillary clinton like so they had so anyway they did the prayer breakfast yearly and then every week they had an ambassador's breakfast well they were saying that like over the years it's grown to from like a thing that only takes a couple hours uh in a day to like a a, almost like two week long celebration that they do i thought it was funny that they said that they do it every first thursday of every February? Yeah, because that was like, what, what was that significant with? I forgot. I don't know, but I, when I was like talking to, to you about this, we figured like, okay, so if it's the first uh, day of the month, right? If, if it's like, a, it has to be the first Thursday. There's only a couple of numbers that it could be. It could be one through seven, right? Yeah. Because if it's February like 8th, which is my birthday, shout out. Uh, and it's a Thursday, then it's technically the second Thursday, right? Because then the first Thursday would have been February 1st. Right. But if a Friday was February 1st, then it would be the 6th. The 7th. The 7th. Yeah. Yeah, so it can only be within a week every year, right? Yeah. So it has to be, I feel like it has something to do about like, that's like 40 days after Jesus like was born or well, something like looking that. Up, we started looking up the uh, different feasts the Catholic, and, yeah. and the different like holidays that occur uh, in the first week of February. So if anything that occurs on February 1st to February 7th, there's a lot of weird shit in there. I, don't, yeah. I didn't write any of them down, but. Nothing that was like that, but ritual feasting is definitely a thing that you find in like every fucking cult. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder um, where that comes from. So, um, yeah. So the the documentary was basically uh, basically about this uh, family's influence. Uh, they talk about the National Prayer Breakfast. They talk about how um, these guys who created this organization 
uh, basically had a plan to uh, like spread out to uh, like a hundred countries. I think they said. Yeah, they had countries. Um, yeah. And they've had like different types of uh, political influence in like places like Russia and like Romania. You know. Yeah, what I mean? Russia. Like it seemed like the communist countries were the ones that they were hitting the hardest. The one, the one that they messed up with the most was that African country. I forget which one. It, maybe was it Congo or Sudan? One of them. But they were talking about how, like, they, they tried to bring the Christian family first values to this, like, African country. And then they, like, took it too far. Oh, and then yeah, tried yeah, to yeah. Pa- pass a bill to make it illegal to be gay by punishable by death. Well, that's the thing, though. You present these motherfuckers with, like, life and death. And you tell them that, like, this thing's a sin or that thing's a sin. Yeah. You know what I mean? They yeah. don't understand, uh, an- uh, what is it called? Analogy? Yeah, or uh, subtlety. Subtlety. Yeah. So, yeah, they brought it all over the world, and then um, they at one point had this place called C Street Residence, which was, like, right up the street from the White House where a bunch of, like, supposed congressmen lived. Yeah. Um, but Just doing guy stuff. Just hanging out, doing kid stuff. Um, I think... Crushing the Lord into each other. The, they said that the, the last thing that they kind of uh, got involved in because they, they started picking guys that were, like, actually getting elected to office. Yeah. Um, but then all these guys started having, like... Affairs. Yeah, trouble, like, sexual troubles. <laughs> so I think what happened was, uh, I was reading, like, recently, the National Prayer Breakfast as an organization has, like, cut ties with the fellowship or... Yeah, now the it says the that family. the Democratic Party but will be running it for 2024. Yeah, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, the hilarious. Congress. Yeah. Congress is just going to hold the, the prayer breakfast. <laughs> but if people in Congress are still part of the fellowship, then... Right, yeah, and according to know, them, they got people all over. They got fucking... What are they called? Sleeper cells everywhere? Yeah. And they're trying to create an army. That's and what they he kept wanted, using right? Hitler as examples of That's like wild. how Mussolini. to build an army. Yeah. yeah, Mussolini, Hitler. So come to find out, uh, we looked up. To, do we need to go into any more about this prayer breakfast thing? Mm. They stopped doing it in 2019. Then they brought it back for. And Biden, then they brought right? it back. No, no, I'm sorry. No, they didn't stop doing it in 2019. Um, they did it all the way up till 2023. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 2023 was the last time they did it with the that organization, which mm. is probably because right after the fucking documentary came out. Right, right. And then now they say con- Congress is going to start running it every year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, a bunch of people that really want to have their um, the, Jesus run run the country. And they're like not they're just really using Jesus to push traditional family values. Well, so we we looked into the history of the guys who like came up with this, right? Oh boy, did we. And then we started finding out that uh Jesus was probably the least of their concerns <laughs> when it came to these uh decisions that they were making. Yeah, it turns out Mr. Uh, Abraham Veriday. Yeah. Um before starting um the the fellowship. Mm. Which he uh, came up with the idea with with Heinrich Himmler, according to one account. According that we read, to one account, uh, but there's was... also not very many accounts of Abraham Veriday on the internet at all. It's almost like he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. Yeah, which was it goes in in tandem with what the organization was, right? He said something about like the the 
more silent. Yeah, the more invisible an organization can be, the more power they can hold or the more influence they can have on things. So his whole thing was to remain invisible. Yeah, so anyway, we read a couple things that said that he was cool with this uh, Heinrich Himmler guy that yeah, you might they, know they from came the up war. With, yeah, he was, a, he was a good friend of Adolf Hitler, it turns out. Maybe. Uh, th- there was also the other part that said that he was working with that other pastor, that Pat Buchmann guy. And yeah. they said that that dude definitely hung out with Heinrich Himmler and shit. Um, I thought it was funny that when he came up with the concept for this National Prayer Breakfast... The same year that uh, Hitler handed down the Nuremberg Laws. Oh, shit. That was, like, the whole thing behind, like, the Holocaust and all that shit. What was the laws? You started to tell me, and I don't even remember. I mean, it was only, like, two things, and they both involved uh, being pretty mean to the Jewish people. So, yeah, so it's just pretty obvious. Is it just because they think the Jews killed Jesus? Or, like, they never really got into, like, why? Because mm. we weren't really talking about that. But why, this why motherfucker, like, like, why did they go after the Jews? For who? Hitler? Hitler. Like, why? Why did they? Oh, wanna... we're not even gonna get into that. But yeah, I'm obviously that's. I why thought you were I, asking. I skipped over that. Why did he like uh, try to start this thing? And we learned that at the time that he came up with this idea, supposedly there was like a big uh, issue going on because he did this when he was living in Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. in, uh, the Pacific during Northwest. the Depression. Um, and supposedly, uh, he came up with this idea at a time when the city was dealing with a lot of, like, union problems. And all of a sudden, I find out through this rewatching of a documentary that my arch nemesis yeah. is none other than Abraham Verde. Now, now Aaron, uh, people might be a little confused as to why you're referring to this man as your arch enemy. What? Why, pray tell, would you say that this guy's your enemy? This motherfucker... Here we go. ...was the starter, the founder... Well, again... Which is not on the record anywhere unless you fucking look this guy's name up. Yeah, and even then... uh, And even then... But there's pictures of him with it. He's the founder of Goodwill. Well, okay, so apparently he was... The bowels of Satan. The superintendent... Or the uh, executive director of the f- of, of I'm sorry Goodwill but... Industries in the Pacific Northwest. So he starts this company during the depression because there was an issue with unions, and so what he starts to do is he gets like housewives together yeah. to collect like things that are either broken or they're not using anymore, yeah. and then he hires people that will accept non-union wages to fix these items, and then they want to resell them. Yeah. So this guy. So. Uh, Supposedly, this guy, this Abraham Vierde, was a immigrant from uh, Deutschland. Deutschland. From Dutch, the Dutch descendants. Uh, he came apparently to Montana in the early 1900s and was like some like priest assistant or pastor assistant there, and then he moved to uh, Seattle, Washington area, Portland area, uh, and apparently was like the minister of like several churches in like the biggest cities around there at the same time. I don't know how that works. But yeah. he, he might have made that up. I don't know. But uh, so he's a church guy, right? Uh, he moves uh, to Boston um, with his family. Uh, over there, that's where he meets the guy who created Goodwill in Boston, the, the first Goodwill, right? Mm-hmm. Gets the idea from this guy. Um, 
learns that he hates FDR on this trip out there, uh, which comes into context later when he starts to influence politics, uh, probably because, you know, FDR treated him bad. Maybe he didn't stand up to shake his hand. I don't know. Oh, yeah, he's the one that went on that fucking war path because he wanted FDR to prove that he wasn't... Right, yeah. He was strong. He that's was strong why they, enough to be our man. That's why they didn't get into uh, using the National Prayer Breakfast as the quote-unquote National Prayer Breakfast politically until the 50s when there was a candidate running for president that they could actually, I don't know, either get behind or easily manipulate or whatever in Dwight D. Eisenhower. Maybe he just recognized the power behind having them behind your back. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. It but, was definitely used, like, for influence for, for both parties. It wasn't like they yeah. were the, like the, the well, political the, ultimately, were getting the... Ultimately, it was influence that they wanted to steer, though, right? Yeah, obviously. The same thing as, uh, what is it called? The, the people that pay... Like the super PACs or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's the same shit, right? Yeah, yeah. We've so, all seen Veep. <laughs> so um, he gets this knowledge about this Goodwill store. He moves back uh, to the Northwest. Um, and then I guess he becomes a superintendent of the Goodwill Industries out there. Uh, as he's traveling around to like do his ministering thing, he's making these connections with these like poor communities. And then, like you said, he's, like, uh, telling these, like, housewives, like, look, you you collect all the stuff that you're not using anymore. Yeah, he goes to the churches. Yeah, well, he's, he's like, in. We'll, we'll get some people to fix that stuff, and then we'll sell it to people that need it. And then that money will also go to people that need it. But here's the thing. He didn't mean any of that. He didn't do any of that. <laughs> Mother. Um, this makes me more mad, I swear to God, the more I read about it. Because I just, like, pulled up this stupid article on my phone about, like, why uh, whatever the newest generation is are being, like, picky antiquers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, like, That's like the new feeding TikTok the goddamn... Trend. Which pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> because I have been a Goodwill shopper yeah. and thrift shopper for... As long as I can remember, I always loved going and finding new shit. I've talked about this on every goddamn podcast we've been on yeah. and how much I hated Goodwill because of their practices and how they've been, com- be- been becoming increasingly terrible over the last few years. Like, yeah. they were never great, but there was always times where you could go there and find shit that was like decent stuff. Like, I remember finding my kids like, you know, brand new Gap hoodies and stuff when they were kids that yeah. would cost me $50 in the store, but it was like $5 at Goodwill. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was cool. And even up until maybe like right before COVID, you mm. could go there and get pretty much anything you were looking for or just cool shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I don't see anything in the stores anymore. Like there's nothing on the shelves. There's it's mostly junk or like cheap shit. So we've been trying to like look into this and from our research, it seems like there's like uh, it's like a twofold problem, maybe more. But the most things that we the biggest things that we can see that's probably influenced this was the first thing that you talked about was uh, it becoming trendy on social media to go out and like to your local thrift store and like just buy a bunch of shit that you don't need. Right. Um, but the other thing was the influx of shitty products that have been donated to Goodwill over the years. True, true. So, like you were saying, you went to uh, one the other day, and there was, like, all the clothes were, like, from Sheen or Everything whatever. is from Sheen. They don't have anything from, like, a regular store. Yeah. Even, and even, like, freaking Target and Walmart items are charging, like, 
seven eight bucks for like it would be cheaper to just get it at walmart or target yeah or, um earlier you were on their website right looking at some of the auction <sighs> so items? i've been refraining from looking at their auction website for a long time <laughs> because it's disgusting to me yeah the fact that these people take everything you know they get through the back doors of their facilities and only about 15 to 20 percent of that merchandise actually makes it to the floors of the store that so, they're actually dropping stuff off to. So explain to everybody how, from your perspective, what you think their uh, message of how their store works is out there. Well, the message is that they're they're providing people with barriers to employment work. Right. And that all of the money that goes towards these stores is going back into like helping these people work and yeah. these job training programs and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is they're hiring people that are like, um, developmentally delayed in some way. These people fall under some sort of like government waiver. Mm -hmm. They don't even have to pay the minimum wage. Yeah. So it's not like they're paying them more money. Yeah, it's they're not. Just, it's just so. And it's just a way to get around the unions that don't exist anymore. <laughs> exactly, it's just a way to get around the unions and then pay people under minimum wage. Yeah, and then on top of all that, because your your business model is already perfect, your product is free. Yeah, and that in and of itself, I feel like that's a fair trade off. You should have things at like a reasonable price. People are donating all this stuff, you know, and they're thinking that they're donating it to donating it to their community. Well, yeah, that's so that was my argument was that, like, from my perspective, I feel like the way the business model should work is uh, somebody has an excess of an item, uh, whether it's they inherited it or they're trying to get rid of it, whatever. Right. Yeah. They take whatever those items or that item is and they take it to the store and they donate it and they say, here, this can go to somebody that might be able to use it cabinet computer whatever right store takes it they fix it up if it's a computer like you know make it brand new or wipe down the cabinet or the table or whatever or like you know clean the clothes or whatever put it out there for a reasonable price because again it's not brand new item right right so you and then the get the get the profits from that use it towards the community that the store is located in Right. Yeah. But I thought we thought that it was that's what I thought it was supposed to be. But then we learned that especially when they use these like online stores, they'll get like a product from like a, a lower income neighborhood. Let's say it's like a lamp or something. And then they'll say, OK, uh, we have this product. We're not going to sell this expensive lamp in this low income Goodwill. Nobody's going to buy this lamp. So send it to this other Goodwill uh, where the lamps sell more. Right. We'll sell it there. But the problem is. According they're to they're not even doing that though. Right. Well, they're but, doing that a little bit, but the I'm sorry, finish your switch. No, 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 go ahead. Because I'm getting like you know too excited over this. This is your thing, baby. It's go. my thing because I'm like there's something wrong here and it pisses me off because yeah. whatever you get, I don't care if you're getting something donated from fucking ancient Egypt. You should have a, a fucking set price for whatever the thing is. Three dollars right. for a shirt, four dollars for a pair of pants, ten dollars for a lamp. That's it. These people are like cherry picking items that come in that they know are worth money or collectible or whatever. They're putting them on their fucking auction site yeah. and auctioning the shit off to the highest bidder. Yeah. Like you just got that piece of like 
That was somebody's grandmother's shit that they're giving away. And probably if the person that dropped that shit off knew how much it was actually worth, they probably wouldn't have given it to you. Right. And you're only giving them a tax rebate or a tax deduction or whatever for whatever the money I'm saying is. And keeping all the profits and not giving it back to the community. So the point I was trying to make earlier was that they can take this lamp or a piece of jewelry or something from one community, take the profits and say that they're giving it to the community where they sold the lamp or the jewelry or whatever. But that community that, like, first received it, they're not seeing any of that money, right? Yeah. Well, they never would have. Well, yeah, but theoretically, Theoretically, that profit wouldn't be going to them anyway. It'd be going to the other community where the the store that sold it. Yeah, and well, the whole thing with Goodwill is that they're, quote-unquote, not-for-profit, but they can set their wages at whatever like price they want yeah so if the person that is the ceo of a goodwill can decide okay i need to make three million dollars a year or more because they do look it up they can set their wages right they can set their wages that high and then the only way to make up for that would be that their stores are making more money and the only way for their stores to make more money is to overprice these items right like now you're talking about going into somewhere for used things people go to fucking thrift stores because they can't afford well, not always. I mean, not just can't afford or they don't want to buy from regular stores. Yeah. Or they, they need, you know, whatever it is that they, they're carrying there. You shouldn't be allowed to put a higher price on that than, than you should have a like a, a set amount for each thing. Yeah. Well, I knew. And then the jewelry. Like, let me get into the fucking jewelry because they're getting jewelry donated to them. Mm. And they're just like they used to have like jars mm-hmm. that you could kind of go through and look and see if there was anything that you wanted or they yeah. would put them in little bags and sell each bag for a few bucks which whatever that's not that bad now they don't sell jewelry in any of their stores at all so you could donate like 25 pounds of jewelry to your local goodwill yeah. and it won't even get sell- sold in the store yeah they actually go through it at wherever their fucking auction site is mm. they test all the materials they know what's gold they know what's not gold and now they're auctioning off diamond and gold jewelry for thousands of dollars right yeah that's disgusting yeah i knew it was getting bad when uh we were going around like trying to different like thrift stores in the area that we moved to yeah we came across like i think it was in delaware that new or not new but it was a goodwill called like a goodwill boutique fucking fuck you we go in there and like everything is like like artfully curated like they have like an old like um fucking like board game or something like that but it's like really nice you know what i mean like it hasn't been and it's just the one and they go like we got more in a bag you know just tell us what you want yeah that's I th- the whole point of coming here was to like look through them to see what you no 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 you look through the stuff we have here and then if you want something else you let us know we go back to the back seat I feel yeah. like they shouldn't be allowed to do that and still call themselves a nonprofit organization there's no yeah. way yeah. there's no way I feel like like whoever's listening to this we need to take down Goodwill Industries and replace <laughs> them I'm serious because if you're fucking people parents your grandparents whoever is donating shit to goodwill thinking that they're doing a good thing and they're really not and then it's fucking everybody else who likes to collect stuff well because on just, top of that let's just say it's not just goodwill right like not salvation army there's bad shit about them like oh I, yeah i feel like any type of company that arises from trying to take advantage quote-unquote of uh the lesser downtrodden uh, parts of society are always going to be corrupt in some Churches. way or another. <laughs> but uh, Goodwill, like... Uh, I feel like Goodwill's a, just the worst. Salvation Army's worst in other ways. Yeah. Well, Goodwill's, Goodwill's more 
uh, like prevalently consumer driven. And th- there's more of them, right? There's way more of them. I yeah. mean, there's literally probably 20 within a 10 mile radius of our house. Right. Yeah. 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 Like that's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, other thrift stores are starting to like up their prices and stuff. Sometimes you can find places that are like reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're a nonprofit organization and you are selling products that were given to you for free. Yeah. You should not be allowed to charge them over a certain amount for them. Yeah. Just because you know it might be collectible. Because collectible is kind of, you know, subjective. Yeah. It might be collective in te- collectible in Texas, but it's not popular in Pennsylvania. Right, or, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's all based on area and shit. And, like, it's kind of fucked up that these stores, like, are, like, learning about these demographics and shit. Mm. And, like, using it to optimize their income. But in the same time, you're shutting out everybody else that likes to collect things. Right, right, yeah. It's fucked up. And it makes me really mad. Yeah, well, especially when you find out that... That they're fucking Nazis, and I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. I I felt like I had some sort of, like, spiritual mission against these motherfuckers. Yeah. And I can't believe that it came out when we were doing our research about this place. I know. That was a weird connection. Yeah, when you told me, I was like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) There's no way. There's no way. Because really, like, if I could just run, like, a thrift store or whatever, or just... I love to just pick, you know? Like, I love to, like, look at old shit. Yeah. And they don't even make it possible anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certain, like, thrift stores that are, like, mom-and-pop thrift stores, I guess, that are... Those are more, like, consignment stores, probably. Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, there's only, like, a couple... auction houses now. They're all auction houses. They're all, like, trying to maximize whatever they're going to get for whatever these pieces are, which, I, I mean, I guess I understand... Auction houses if, do a little bit. I mean, auction houses also pay the people that give them the items, like part. It, it of, would be okay if Goodwill's charged more for the items or charged what they're currently charging if that money actually went to the people who they say they're helping. Yeah. But because it's not, I think that's the crux of the problem, right? Like it. No, yeah. because they're not. They're paying the upper management and all that shit more money. Yeah. And the people at the bottom, they pay them whatever they can get away with paying them. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just job training. It's just, it's really, because we have an OLTL program at my office, and it's like, not OLTL, whatever. We have an, we have, there's a waiver program within the government that helps people that have learning disabilities or barriers or whatever mm. be able to get out into the community. And I think if they operate under that waiver, then they can get money from the government. So they're not even actually fucking paying these people out of their pocket. They're probably getting subsidized from the government to yeah. pay them. You know what I mean? Like, ah, it's fucking crazy. Well, you heard so it here anyway, first. Hope folks, do you want to call them out by name? Goodwill. You're on notice, buddy. You're on notice. We're going to get you. Nah, what does the sick. Ayatollah put out? The Ayatollah of rock and roller. The Ayatollah. He puts out, what did he put out on Larry David? Uh, a fatwa. A fatwa. Oh man, I don't a think you fatwa can. I don't think you can legally say that. So let's just say we're joking. It's a jest. A curse on both houses. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. We're gonna keep researching more of this. Oh yeah, we got good so much stuff, more. Because I know this into. is a very. We've been talking about this for a couple of months. This is a very important issue for you. So yeah. I feel like we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this, and maybe we'll take down Goodwill. Maybe. Maybe. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, We'll catch you next time. All right. Peace. Peace.
really stink. We were just singing the baby to sleep. Wake up, little Betty Bice. Have you been Betty Bice? It was waking me up. When I lay me down to sleep. When the soul identifies with Maya, it forgets. Thus, the soul is temporarily in darkness. It is deluded, and it dreams the mortal dream. Becoming increasingly involved and confused, the soul remains bound up with the world. The intuitive faculty becomes suppressed, and its perception of truth blotted out.